0: Hurling on, off the ball. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.
1: All right, there's been a lot of debate on the state of hurling in recent weeks. Don't look, Cusack, saying the game needs ring fencing, proper financing and proper marketing. It needs protecting and preserving to get a sense of what's going on on the ground across the country. I'm joined by Martin Fogarty, the former National Hurling Development Manager, a role he held from 2016 to 2021. And it's a role that has actually been vacant ever since his departure. Martin, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Nathan. How are you keeping? Very well. Uh, I guess the problem with a topic this big is uh, where do you start? And I'd imagine when you started out in that role as National Hurling Development Manager back in 2016, you were probably having similar thoughts. Where do you start with this? What were your priorities when you went into the role all the way back then?
0: Well, when I went into it first, it was a pretty clean sheet, Nathan. Um, I had a responsibility for 32 counties. And... To be honest about it, I didn't have much of a clue of the state of Hurland in, in, in quite a lot of the country. Uh, but very quickly I found out. And um, as time went on, I concentrated on, I suppose, what I what I call the wilderness of Holland which is roughly a line from Dublin to Galway north, and actually excluding Antrim and excluding Down. So, you know, very, very quickly I, I realised... How few hurling clubs there were in those counties. Now I, I wouldn't have known it prior to that. I know there weren't mm. many, but I had no idea that at the time there was just one adult hurling club in Fermanagh and just two in Leitrim, and and just three in Cavan and Longford. So, you know, pretty pretty early, I could see that's that's where the the biggest need was. Um, and Martin, were, and, yes? and
1: and maybe a, maybe there's an hour with a, a Paul Rouse on this at some stage on the uh, the history of hurling in Ireland, but that wilderness and that line that you just described across the country, uh, historically has that always been the case for hurling?
0: Well sure, it has really, yeah. Um, you know, some of the counties may have had a few extra clubs down through the years, but not not enough to be to be self sustainable and. You know, very quickly, I realized that, you know, Hurling in my own county, Kilkenny, Cork, Galway, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Wexford, uh, would, would continue grand without any intervention. So I wasn't, you know, there wasn't much I could do in any of those counties. Uh, the need wasn't there mm. because hurling, hurling is flying in all those counties. Now, even next door to me in Leash and near enough to me, Offaly, and next door to me in Carlo, um, small counties, small numbers of clubs, but... Hurling, flying in in those counties. Now, it could be flying higher if we had more clubs, but all of those counties have plenty of Hurling and they're not too far from counties with plenty of teams as well. Whereas up the country, the biggest problem, well, two big problems, the the, the, the few clubs to begin with and then the absolute isolation. So, you know, if if you have a club in Westport to get one game at any level, you're traveling 20 miles roughly for a start. That's if the next club has a team at the same age level, And after that, you're probably travelling 50 miles or 50 kilometres, whatever. So, you know, that's that's the big problem. Whereas the other counties, you know, if you could take Carlow, who are next door to me, a, a tiny co- county with a, a small amount of clubs and to perform brilliantly, they have some brilliant hurling clubs. And you could say that they don't have enough clubs, but down the road, they have plenty of clubs in Kilkenny, plenty of clubs in Wexford if they want games so it's not a problem getting a game whereas up the country to get a club is a problem to get a game is a bigger problem
1: it, it, It's interesting you mention uh, Mayo because I am a Mayo man so I, I, I do have some sense of hurling in the county and I'm from Ballyhonas so hurling would have been very strong in Ballyhonus and tourine is five miles down the road which would be traditionally yeah. uh, the heartbeat of hurling in Mayo and four senior teams for so long in Mayo but yeah. Mayo is such a vast county and such a rich gaa heritage on the football side of things so if you take going to mayo as an example and the countless GAA clubs that are doing brilliant work at underage level that there's great participation when you went to those clubs and you went to mayo were you pushing an open door with clubs to add hurling into the mix
0: um I, I personally wasn't going into clubs trying to get Hurland started. We we had, a, and he, he's left since, we had a great games promotion officer, Adrian Hessian, who was who was the Saul hurling, um I suppose, full-time staff member in the county. And he was doing outstanding work. So how I got myself into working these counties was I'd meet the like of Adrian. I'd meet the Hurland man in the county and we'd take it from there. And we'd see, where could I help out? And more often than not, it was working on the existing clubs and bringing their coaches in and doing a bit of working with them, doing a bit of coach development. Uh, Sometimes that would break into working with some of the teams, some of the squads, maybe even the county team. Now, the big challenge to grow the game was coming down to people like Adrian and to the best of my knowledge, he has hurling resurrected in Ballyhonas in the last few years again. Mm. And um, so that, you know, that, that's what I was trying to do. But the the, the challenge is, is much greater in that, you know, you need somebody in the county to try and open the doors in non-hurling areas to get hurling started. And, and where better than in, in the football clubs? Because they have, you know, they have the pitches, they have the facilities. But that that in itself is, I suppose, what I would call the greatest challenge the GA has is to try and open these doors and get a little bit of hurling going in existing football clubs now are they know, football
1: clubs Martin are they GEA clubs
0: as you look at realistically they're football clubs you know we can we can bandy that around all you like but at the end of the day they're GEA clubs but they don't they don't play a hurling
1: because I read and, a, an interview on the GEA website that uh, you had done and you were given an example of a club up in Derry where there was a few lads who got a hurling going inside an existing Gaelic football club only the club banned the hurling, and I go, like, how can that be allowed to happen in a GEA community? Where all right, you know, maybe the priority will still be the football, but if there's an engagement there amongst a group of people who want to get hurling going, that how a club can turn around and ban
0: hurling, a GEA club. Yeah, well, look at you can't force anybody to do anything, and can you not? I wouldn't try to, <laughs> I wouldn't try to do it either, because if. You know, even with, say uh, Liam Griffin put put a motion to Congress this mm. year, which, you know, which was a wonderful motion, and and in theory, it sounded lovely that that to be hurling in every club, and I would love to see that. But in reality, it's not possible because if you try and force somebody to do something that they don't want to do, you're you're getting nowhere. So um, you have to try and go the other way, and and that little that little club up in Derry, their their own club didn't want them hurling. But their neighbours down the road uh, heard of heard of, heard of their plight and said, "Look, lads, you're welcome to hurl down here, and there might be a mutual benefit for us. We might get a few more footballers out of your hurlers." And it was funny because it was one of my first um, jobs when I when I went into the role was to try and broker a bit of peace there and, and help to get that club established. Now my part was very very small, but the club got up and running. And ironically. I think my my last role in, in my job was to go and present medals that are under seventeens that had won a little a little competition. And I got word from one of the mentors there a couple of weeks ago saying that they they hope to be entered the Klan League, which is the adult league, the adult version of Baton, the they hope to enter it next week or next year. So that was that was um that was a story that just was brilliant. That from from nothing, from maybe having ten youngsters doing maybe 10 sessions one summer and their own club not really wanting them to progress to the hurling to have progressed it down the road. You see, it's, it's, it's very important that, that we don't set football up against hurling mm. or hurling against football. I
1: was thinking that, yeah, all right. That's, that's, that it, it, there's a political side to your role. It's, it's no point uh, going back to Don Lowe, going in and saying, you know, hurling is Gaelic let It's Cliffs of over It's the Giant's Causeway. It's it's a greater thing than Gaelic football. There's a part, I'm sure, of a lot of uh, football people where resources are finite. There's only yeah. a certain amount of money to go around. So, yeah. what is the incentive? for those football clubs as you describe them to actually embrace hurling and promote hurling and try and grow that part? Yeah, well, you see, I,
0: I can understand it 100% if you reverse the role. And, you know, I'm down in Kilkenny and we, we're we're a hurling county. Mm. And I, I personally, I don't want football to take over in Kilkenny from hurling. You know, I'd be straight about it. I, I, I can understand it totally. Um, but what I'm, I suppose, trying to preach is that um it, it doesn't have to take over we can we can and i don't even i, I use the word tolerate but I, I don't mean that word but we can we can facilitate it and like in kenny we play a little bit of football and it's it's purely it's purely social it's purely enjoyable for most clubs if they get close to a semi-final or a final maybe they get a little bit more serious about it and it doesn't impact whatsoever on hurling now I'm 100% aware that it's, it's much easier get a little team going in football than it is to get a, a team going in hurling. But at the same time, it's not that difficult. So, you know, if we if we look at Kilkenny, we've got 44 clubs. And in excess of 30 clubs, we'll line out an adult football team. And in excess of 30, we'll line out at every grade of football. So in reality we have three grades of football at every level. Now, the standard is whatever it is. Mm. and That doesn't matter. But there's a little competition there every year, call it a league's championship, and players can play and there's no interference. Now, it's extra easy for us down here because if, for example, I'm over the under 50 in Hurland team, that's automatically the under 50 in football team. So the football team is within my own parish. Whereas if you go up to Mayo or you go up to Sligo you go up to Leitrim the Hurling team is consisting of players from maybe four or five separate football clubs and that's unbelievably difficult because if there's if you're trying to arrange a match and somebody arranges a football game or a football training session in one of those five feeder clubs well then you just don't have a team Mm. so you know and, and what I will be looking for is that we go out there and we go into the counties and yes we give an incentive to the football clubs. And the incentive could be football equipment. I, I wouldn't care what it is. And we try and encourage them to get a small bit of hurling going in such a way that, you know, players in that club, players in that county that would like to play a little bit of hurling at at a at a very low level, at a very social level, can do so. Now, you have a few examples where, you know, if you take Schlock, Neil and Derry, they, they have gone to the very top in board courts. Now, I'm not looking for anything like that. You know, they are they're a puck of a ball or a kick of a ball away from being all Ireland champions in football and hurling. But, you know, I'm not looking for that or anything close to it. I, I'm just looking for maybe 12 hurling clubs in every county, you know, that that have maybe 12 teams at every grade and they can have an A and a B competition where you won't get hammered. And you get a little league stroke championship that's going to consist of maybe six or eight or ten games across the year. And that's, that's I'd, I'd be happy if that could happen. If that I, makes any sense to you.
1: Well, exactly. Because there's, uh, and going back to your point on the football clubs in Kilkenny, there is always a danger when we're assessing where a sport is at looking at the top tier and the top level. And, you know, yeah. I sit in Crow Park last summer and watch Limerick and Kilkenny in the All-Ireland final and think that this sport is as good as it has ever been but as you go down through the layers there's issues and we would look at Kilkenny football and say well they're not competing in the All-Ireland series so there's no football in Kilkenny whereas actually as you pointed out yeah. there is and they're doing their own thing and the players are going out and enjoying it and maybe they're not having their day in the sun at inter-county level so actually that little bit of growth in each county over time will all lead to something bigger when you look back in your five years were you able to achieve that in many of the places that you went?
0: Um, it was unbelievable now I wouldn't I wouldn't put it down to me I, I put it down to the the games promotion officer the hurling the hurling coach as we call them uh, in each county and the tr- the tremendous work that they are actually doing, and you know, if 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 I were to look at, in particular, there's there's 13 counties, and roughly speaking, at the time I did a little survey, you have 13 counties that had nine or less than nine adult hurling clubs. Now that that went at the time right down to one in Fermanagh. it went to two in Leitrim, it went to we'll say normally three in Cavan and three in Longford, and you know that that was a very serious situation but if I took for example Fermanagh at that time there were what I would call seven underage units in Fermanagh as well underage which meant that the hurling was flying up there and the big challenge was to get you know that's seven clubs up to adulthood even half of them like if you could get Fermanagh from one up to five adult hurling clubs look at the difference it could make if you could get Leitrim from two to four and then four to eight, then you're starting to sing a bit, and you see everything. Everything will improve. The county teams will improve. The whole the whole hurling situation across that that area will improve. And you know, even again harping back to Kilkenny at the inter-county football level, they have a team. Mm. You know, there there are thirty or forty players that are interested. They're they're not by a long shot the best footballers in the county, but that doesn't really matter. And they play a little inter-county tournament there every year, and that's grand. But at club level and at primary schools level, there's there's plenty being done. And it's not about, you know, it's, it's not about who can win. It's not about the standard. Because, you know, there's only one team going to win the Sam McGuire every year. There's only one going to win the Lee McCarty. But everybody, you know, can aspire to that. But everybody really, the, the real win is every club, every county, enjoying the sport and being able to play the sport at a reasonable level. So um, I have seen right across that area um, a growth in underage units. But we really, really need to work 100 times harder to make sure that those units can come through to adult level. For example, you know, with, with the guys on the ground, with the coaches in the various counties that could tell me very quickly where the problem was. Um, You know, the problem was each individual county didn't have enough clubs at any level to run a meaningful competition themselves. So, together, we worked on what we call the Townhawk Leagues. And we started it at under 13 and we grew it to under 15 and then we grew it to 17 and adult. Um, Last year was the inaugural Co-Cullen Adult League and we had, to best of my knowledge, 63 teams in it. Now, that was phenomenal. That meant we could have the three grades and then being adults, they could drive. So, you know, distance was huge, but they were able to drive. Whereas with the underage, um, we we tried to put a limit of an hour's travel for a game. Right Now, oftentimes, you know, two teams competing, they were two hours apart. Now, unfortunately, they still might have to travel an hour, but we couldn't grade them you know, if you have only six or eight teams within a radius of, a, of an hour's drive, what choice have you other and, and to lump them all in together? Yeah. We, t- we tried a few little interventions that if your team was stronger than mine, obviously, you know, you could swap a few of your strong lads onto my team, that kind of stuff. And, and, and that has worked pretty well, that at least the games would take place and at least we wouldn't have too many hammerings. But, you know, going forward, if we had more clubs, like if we were in an area, we'd say where we have 10 teams, Now, if we could get 20 teams there, well, then you're singing because you'll have A and you'll have B. And that in itself will make a huge difference because if a team is winning by too much or losing by too much, well, let's be honest about it, you know, there's not much fun in it, is there?
1: Well and all of that then again leads on to greater strength in depth as you go through a club level so you know going back to that example in the west of Ireland at the moment the Mayo champions will play in the intermediate championship and go up against the Galway side there but you know 10, 20 years maybe there's an opportunity could go back and play uh, the Galway senior champions and be competitive and there's a perfect flow to all that if you get them playing at a young age I'm just wondering on the difficulties of that that uh, take this in uh, the manner it's intended that is there a is there a fear of hurling amongst parents and coaches that you know if you're going up to help your kids at a soccer club or with Gaelic football. It's, 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 they're quite straightforward sports, the basics around them, that if you haven't grown up in hurling, it's a very difficult thing to go out onto a pitch with six-year-olds, as we were joking in here last week, as to which way do you hold the hurl, that there's a real yeah. investment needed in coaching to make it very simple for the vast majority of people in these counties who don't come from a hurling background to feel comfortable in the game.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% there. And... I I had a little workshop that I I used to do and I call it taking the fear out of hurling. you know, out of hurling coaching. And um, there are so many people and I I have met and and, and some were former college friends of mine that were maybe top footballers and they were afraid of their life to attempt to coach hurling, They think they couldn't do it. But that that in itself is a bit of a myth because, you know, starting with myself, when when we were all growing up, we didn't have coaches you know you, you didn't I, I, as far as I recall the first game of hurling I would have played would be for the school team I can't recall any coaching other than going to school every day with your hurl and playing away in the school field and that was that was it and you know sometimes we overrate coaching um, once you bring youngsters to the field and give them a hurl and we didn't have helmets then but now we have helmets give them a hurl give them a ball and put a little bit of enthusiasm into them and you know the rest will happen so you spent too
1: much time through the years with Brian Cody. That's the Cody mantra there. So there was no coaching, there was no tactics. You just sent the fifteen lads out in the pitch and you won all the All
0: Irelands. Well, look at that was a couple of steps down the ladder. That was a few <laughs> rungs higher up. But if you if you take the best of hurlers in the in you know, you go back 20, 30 years ago and um coaching didn't exist. You just came you just you just went to the field and played, and I'm quite sure it's the same in, in football. So You know, and I I know, and I won't name them here, but I know plenty of people that never picked up a hurl in their life. And, you know, a lot of of them were teachers in schools and they basically went out at lunchtime into the playground and they just, I suppose, enabled a game. Mm. By enabling a game means that they divided the the crew into two and they let them play away and and the rest happened. So, you know, once you see, this comes back to resources, that if we can get the people the hurling people into the counties and we can get them around to the clubs and generate that little bit of interest and and non-fear to people and give them a little bit of encouragement. Unfortunately, with hurling, to get it started, you need some finance. Mm. First thing you need is the biggest resources, people. But if you can get four or five people in an area that are prepared to get a bit of hurling going, right? Look, at realistically, the next thing they need is about €3,000 to buy 20 or 30 helmets and 20 or 30 hurls because the youngsters won't have them. It's different with a football, two or three footballs and down you go and away you go. But once once that bit of um, equipment is sorted...
1: Is Crow Park making that, that investment? Pardon? Is Crow Park making that investment?
0: Look, at up to now, no. But I, I've got, I've, I, I, whether I call them commitments or promises, I've got indications that there is a strong intention to do that.
1: But no. when you were in that role for the five years, did you go looking for extra financial resources to support new clubs to provide yeah. the helmet and it wasn't forthcoming?
0: Yeah, look, I I did. I did. And it wasn't totally forthcoming, but um I managed to get some in, in in roundabout ways. And and listen, that's that's understandable as well, because you can't just and you know, I know years ago helmets were given out to schools, and, and I actually in my travels Landed in a few schools, and there were packs of helmets shoved in under the stage in the in the PE hall, and that wasn't that wasn't right either. So, but it's very you know, difficult then up. when
1: you're going to clubs and you're going to football clubs and you're encouraging them to be more diverse and to bring hurling into the fold and to put resources towards that. If from the top down, there's not an acceptance that that needs to happen.
0: Um, look, at, there there is an acceptance, but I suppose like a lot of things, where finances is involved. Um, it takes a bit of time, and it takes a few key people to say, "Look at, this is needed," and it takes putting a budget on it. And I was I was pushing, not not that you just you know throw money at places, that you put a package together. And I I did a few pilot ones in schools where I went into schools and said, "Look at, if we can get you A, B, and C, will you commit to D, E, and F?" You know, and that that would involve. Teachers maybe taking on a little bit of 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 um coach education, committing to doing very, very simple a little bit of nursery, a little bit of go games, maybe a little challenge match with a neighbouring school, that kind of stuff. So with with any package, there has to be it has to be two way. And I think without a shadow of doubt that will work. And if we could get that, you know, within within a budget that so much per county that we can say, all right, we, we can we can maybe have five projects in each county and we'll give them mixed amount of equipment, we'll give them mixed amount of coach education, and the return is gonna be a little commitment there for five or six years to uh, to, to basically get a bit of hurling going. Now it, it will fall by the wayside in some places, but to me that's that's not a problem because you know, the first box is ticked in that that will they will have got a chance, but the second box will be ticked in that. If we can start it in ten places well, I'd be positively certain five of them will keep it going. And even last week, I, I got an excited call from—I uh, call him a friend of mine now down in in Round Towers in Kildare—that again started up back around the time I was starting. And last week there, it was on G, it was on the GA website. They fielded their first adult team, so you know that 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 example was phenomenal. There was another little club down in. Um, down in West Cork, in a pure football area. Um, Lecra Og they call themselves. And again, I was, I was privileged to be down there a few years ago when they were starting. And last year, they actually purchased their own property. Now, prior, prior to that, they were playing in, if, if you call it a farmer's field, I'm not exaggerating by saying, you drive down about two miles of country road, you drive down a lane, you park the car and you walk, and you go into a field. And they had two little mini pitches set up. You'd see one as you went in the gate. You'd see the tops of the goals of the other one because it was on the far side of the field, which was a hill. And little by little, they got a loan of the school field. They got a loan of the, the local football field. And um, last year, they purchased their own property. So, you know, that's, that's an unbelievable example of, of how the game can grow with, with very little support. So if yeah. we had support there, I've no doubt the game would, would flourish
1: was it a was it a frustrating role or was it a fulfilling role
0: uh, it, it was humbling it was humbling for a start because um coming coming from Kilkenny, i suppose the land of milk and honey we're absolutely spoiled over the years spoiled in every way and and you know it, it opened my eyes even spoiled even from a football term and and my my club here a few years ago we actually had three adult football teams. We, we we had a senior, a junior, and a junior B. Now, I, w- I was privileged to be on the junior B team. But, you know, at the time, we didn't think too much of it. And you just played away whenever the games were on. We had a we had a a, a, a lunatic from Leash uh, looking after the football, a good friend of mine now. So I, I'm saying a lunatic in a kind way. But, you know, he, he, infected, he infected the club with an interest in a bit of football. And... Um, when I went up the country then in the hurling role, I realised how easy it was to kick football in Kilkenny. I realised how spoiled we were in hurling terms. And so I said to, to see the challenges that the hurling people have up the country was absolutely humbling. Um, was it fulfilling? It was tremendous. Because, you know, down, down, down where I am, if if you were looking after a team and you said, lads, we have a challenge match tomorrow in Dublin, which is little over an hour's drive, yet yet the face is a drop. Whereas up the country, an hour is nothing for these guys. Mm. You know, you look at Iskey there last year that went to the junior All-Ireland final and um, I think a Cork team beat him. You know, so that was, they, they were batting against against the current straight away. But when I went up to whiskey and heard that they had been down in Kilkenny, for the last 10 years so many times playing challenge matches it just it just blew me away schlock neil in derry before i knew where schlock neil was we're down here in my own club for a bit of coaching with myself and i didn't even know the club existed so you know when you go around and you meet people like that you're actually seeing you're seeing the true gales, you're you're seeing the 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 salt of the earth you're seeing people that are so into the game of hurling and football needless to say that it's embarrassing and i have i have often said that if i was living in some of those counties i couldn't with hand on heart say i would have been involved in hurling so difficult it is you know i remember going up to try and help in Cavan when they couldn't field a team in, in the national league and um you know, it was funny in a way. But the county board, I think, told a few guys that were trying to get it going, if they could get twenty players to turn up to five training sessions, they'd put in a team. <laughs> so I, I, either offered or was cajoled into taking one or two of those training sessions. Well, to watch, to watch the lads trying to round up the twenty players, that was, you know, it was humbling and it was funny and it was brilliant because we we held a little meeting up there as part of, of, of a coaching session and I think the lads thought that I was counting the players because I know a few guys came in and signed in and went out and came back and signed in again <laughs> but um, you know <laughs> they, they they ended up they ended up with, with a team and they ended up I think they're winning the the Lowry Mar competition
1: yeah so it all worked out in the long run
0: yeah sure it's it's you know it's brilliant I mean these, these people have such a passion for the game it's, it defies all logic
1: what about uh, the strongholds then? Just uh, as we start to wrap up, obviously there's you know been Dunlog really sparked a huge conversation that went off in all sorts of tangents. And you know, are there going to be issues in Clare and Limerick when you can't see it, can't be it anymore? The games are behind a paywall; that the inspiration won't be as freely available. When you look at the hurling strongholds around the country, are they thriving, or would you have concerns long term about the way the sport is going?
0: Uh, look, look, in, in, in the hurling strongholds, and, you know, I, I'm talking about strongholds. I'm, I'm including my neighbours, Leash and Offaly and Carlo in those strongholds because, you know, do, those teams are phenomenal. And, and Westmead, just to mention a few, they're, they're phenomenal based on the playing population that they have. They're unbelievable. The skill level is unbelievable. And, you know, un, unfortunately in hurling if there's a small gap between two teams and that, that, that could be one player, there could be a 20-point margin. Like, if you look last night now at Offaly and Wexford, we'd say under 20. Mm. And if you take, for example, the Offaly team and, and, and take the chap that got player to the match there, Adam Screeny. Like if he hadn't been playing for Offaly, you know, that game could have gone the other way, probably would have gone the other way and could have gone the other way by 10 points. Now, that, that's not blowing him up, but, you know, in, in any particular county, I, I look at Westmead, for example, and I see the small number of clubs that they have, and I can see sometimes they're pushing it up to the likes of Kliteni, but, but they're working off with probably six senior clubs at best. I look at Antrim, and while Antrim might have 24 hurling clubs, they have, they have four realistic senior clubs Now, those four clubs are are absolutely brilliant in that Lough Eel are winning All-Irelands. Dunlough are going very close. Valley Castle have have been in them and Dahl have won them or gone to them. So, you know, those clubs are unbelievable. They're they're phenomenal. But um, for the county team to produce a team that can compete with the likes of and the Corks and the tips, etc. They just don't have the numbers. Now, every so often, they might get a bunch together, and one of Offaly's biggest problems, in my in my opinion, is that a few times in our history they absolutely punched above their weight, and they came up with a couple. Twice they came up with a phenomenal group of players at the same time and won All Irelands. And you know, for that to be sustained, they'd need twice as many clubs. Do you understand what I'm what I'm coming? Yeah, yeah, to?
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: So, like the hurling at the top level is 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 absolutely phenomenal. Um and you know, we'll say I, I wouldn't doubt for a second what Don Log is, is, is saying. I, I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough in in the rights of TV and all that mm. kind of stuff. Um, you know, of course I'd like to see all the games on my own television here. Of course I would, and of course I understand people that can't log on and that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I think the National League finals, I don't think any bar the Division 1 final was on television. And I think none of the division, none of the National League finals were in Crowe Park. And I think all the football finals were in Crowe Park and they were all on television. But that's that's that doesn't concern me in the slightest. You know, they're all, they're all as it was, icing on the cake. You know, what concerns me is the, the wilderness, the 13 counties, we'll say that are struggling. Um, and on that top teams.
1: Pardon? Just on that then, on to wrap up on the on the wilderness. The role yeah. of National Hurling Development Manager, you spoke there about, you know, getting access to funds. Clearly from what you're saying, Crow Park aren't just gonna throw bags of cash out and say, you know, let hurling thrive in these counties. You need to have a well formulated plan of how it's gonna work around coach education, around equipment, all of that. And you you went through that process. That role hasn't been filled since you left, which is what, coming up on 18 months ago?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, the, the first thing I'd say is, it's it's not Croke Park. Like, we all give out about, well, we don't all give out about, some people give out about Croke Park, but Croke Park is only a building. And, you know, Croke Park has, has a small number of people working in it, and most of them are, are doing some form of, of administration, secretarial work. Um, I, I don't think the Director General even has a vote at, at the top committee level. So, when when we talk about crop park we're, we're actually we're talking about every county in the country because the the committees that make the rules the committees that decide what happens are made up of people from your county and my county and every other county and that's that's where the problem is that people on let them be national or let them be provincial committees or down the line even county committees need to start shouting louder and saying look at this is a problem um you know it's not it's not the director general or the president's problem or fault in the slightest it's it's the people that will say are on committees that make decisions and the problem with committees is is you know they only last maybe three years mm. and in, in a county set up they might only last a year so what's really needed are i suppose full-time full-time staff dedicated hurling staff that have not undermined on Oni Hurling and that have a bit of leadership with, I suppose, teeth that can constantly, to quote Don Log, keep beating the Hurling drum. And that, that is important because unless you have somebody beating the drum, it, it becomes nobody's job, it becomes nobody's responsibility. And
1: well, with your role vacant, it does seem as though there is nobody beating that drum.
0: That's the problem. Yeah, there needs to be. And why, why, why do you believe
1: that nobody has stepped into your role?
0: Sorry, can you repeat? Why that? do you,
1: why do you, why do you think that you haven't been replaced?
0: Um, I suppose in in my last year, COVID came in, and Crow Park was taken as many redundancies as they could to cut back, which was very understandable. Mm. And I kind of figured myself at that stage that. This role I was in, which was only it was only a five year role anyway, uh, hadn't the hope of being replaced because they were already taking redundancies. And it was never, you know, it was never a full-time parliament uh role. I think it came off of the back of the Liam Sheedy report. So that was possibly the first problem. Now, um the second reason, I suppose, is you just don't have enough people sitting on the various committees provincially or nationally. That say, look at here's a problem, and this needs to be solved. And it's it's not just one person. You you, you probably need a body of people. Like if you take those thirteen counties, mm. we, we we don't even have one hurling full time staff member in each county. Like there's one there's one man and he's unbelievable and he's covering Leitrim and Sligo. Now that's not humanly possible. So we need we need a team of hurling people that are almost um, self sufficient to get into those counties with you know with through through whatever whatever committee
1: um. and would that suggest then martin that those committees and i don't have the makeup of all those committees and maybe you've a better insight into where those committee members are from and you're speaking as a kilkenny man here but yeah. that a lot of those committees are made up of people from the stronger hurling counties and maybe they just don't give a damn that much about those in the wilderness
0: well you wouldn't be wrong there you wouldn't be wrong there, but they're from they're from every county. Like I, I if you you take, if it's central council, now I might have the wrong title. And as far as I know, it has it has a it has a delegate from every county. So you know, every county has delegates, but um, they're not all worried enough, and, and some of them are too busy. Like if you take, for example, a strong football county, and let it, let let there be maybe a chairperson in that county, they're, they're you know they have so much work to do they're tied up so much with looking after what they're doing that they don't have time to be worried about hurling. That's why you need a a, a few people like myself, like a dog with a bone, that are totally zoned in on hurling in these places. And, you know, I would never blame, we'll say, a county chairman in, in a football county for not doing something for hurling because he or she, they're probably having time to do it. But all I would like to see is that somebody like the dog with the bone, like myself, that's coming in to try and do something that that they would facilitate you, and I suppose wouldn't wouldn't put a a stick in your in in your wheel. You understand me?
1: Yeah. And that's
0: yeah. the big one. And you see, the, 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 you can talk about coach education that for the whole night, but it's actually irrelevant. It, coach education is for, is further down the line. What's needed, first of all, are games, right? Because without the games, you can forget about coaches. You can forget about players. So the first thing needs to be in place are games. And if you have games, then you get teams. And if you have teams, you need coaches. And then you can talk about educating them. I wouldn't care if they were never educated. And that's where the Ta Nog and the Coe came into being, that will provide just a small competition. I'm talking here about seven or eight games across Hino you know, in the whole year. So you're looking for seven or eight Monday nights or Wednesday nights that are not going to be cut across to play the few games and then you have a start and you grow it on then from there
1: Uh, Martin I suspect we could be here all night uh, talking about this I'd love to come back to it again uh, over the coming months or maybe even over the coming years and check in and see how things are progressing Uh, in the short term uh, the rumour going around is that the dream team of Fogarty and Cody are looking to get the band back together and are are open to offers from any of those teams in the wilderness
0: I'm thinking of taking on a bit of football to be honest with you I was (laughs) watching I was watching Kildare and, and Sligo playing under 20 the other night. And um, I actually, I didn't fall asleep. And the reason was I actually saw young players of 20 years of age kicking a ball over the bar from outside the D. I saw one or two lads kicking it over the bar from the 45-yard line. Something I have I've always preached in hurling that striking is probably the most important skill. And I've, it, it, through, through my total ignorance of, of football, I've said, you know, the longer you can kick a ball, the better you'll be. And I watched in the intercounty seniors where they nearly won't kick until they're in the D. But I watched the under twenties the other evening kicking from the forty five and it says if an under twenty can kick from the forty five, surely a senior can kick from the fifty yard line. So thinking of dabbling the foot in in, in 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 football because I think I'm I'm regarded as old school when it comes to Hurling.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's great that the uh, the football men of Sligo and Kildare are finally converting the true hurling men. Martin, brilliant to talk to you.
0: Take care.
1: Take care. Uh, great stuff there from uh, Martin Fogarty. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with senior hurling championship sponsors, Board Gosh Energy, to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has on people's lives. For full competition details, just get on to Energy.ie forward slash home forward slash BGE GAA. Hurling on off the ball with board gosh energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.